0: So, um, (laughs) ceremoniously, this is this is podcast. I'm going to say 59. It could be 58, it could be 60, but I think it's 59. Mark's shaking his head. It's
1: it's 50 something.
0: Yeah. And, um, I wish
1: I was 50 something.
0: Yes. And none of them are particularly worthwhile. So that's okay. Um, probably doesn't mean it. No, but, um, we've got a uh, noted guest on today. Oh, I should I don't know. I was going to point out that we're being uh, socially uh, what is it? socially distantly appropriate today. Well, we are
2: We have to be away from our microphone a certain
0: distance. Or... <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Mick, you have to be away from my microphone.
0: <laughs> Mick, you're in Arizona, which is what 3000 yes. miles from here. Um, our guest, uh, Tim is how far where are you? In California? Westboro, Westboro, Mass. Oh, that's 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 not 3,000 miles away, but it's got to be a good it's got to be a good uh, 20 miles from here. And uh, Mark, are you uh, you're more than six feet away in uh, Wayland, Mass? Yes. I'm in uh, Natick or Natick.
1: So, Tim, why don't you introduce yourself?
3: Okay, um, Tim Horgan, and uh, I recently got retired from Pearson, where I was working in online education. And before that, I worked uh, for years at Digital Equipment and I went from digital, I worked at CIO where I was the webmaster for a Webmaster Magazine and started a group called XNet and uh, did some consulting there and then did a healthcare startup, doing healthcare analytics at a company called You Compare Health that looked at the quality of hospital care across the United States. Um, and then we tried to uh, sell ourselves to a VC but that wasn't successful. And then worked for a startup called Patients Like Me, which still exists, and uh, it's in Cambridge and is doing doing pretty well. Got got bought into by a Chinese company, and then President Trump told them to go away and take their money. So they're doing some scrambling to get get funds. Uh, did some consulting at uh, directorship and fidelity, and then spent the last nine years doing online education at Pearson.
0: Wow, that's that's a. Um... That's a handful. Um, a lot of fun. Uh, and how did you have the, what was the misfortune through which you met Mark Thurman?
3: <laughs> you know, well, at uh, CIO. So CIO started a, a, uh, a web-based publication called. It was web-based. a
0: magazine. CIO was initially a magazine, was it not? Yeah, and, and it, it oh, may, just, may not be. It's part of IDG, part of the computer world and
3: PC world, and it's for the high-end CIOs. And back in the early 90s, they decided they ought to have a web publication. And they they put out the, the theory that a webmaster was really a business leader for um, for the web. And uh, they'd done a, a story on us at, dig, at at Digital, and then called me up and said, hey, do you know anybody wants to be a webmaster for Webmaster Magazine? And it's like, well, how, how could I resist that? It's like, I want to do that. So um, I went and did that. And as part of that, I decided to be a good, I was asked to consult a bunch, decided to be a good idea to get the people who I knew were doing interesting web work together and create this kind of consortium of people who would talk to each other offline, off the record. And uh, Mark got involved in that. That's Uh, right. He was doing all sorts of interesting things. And we had a great time. We went to all sorts of interesting cities, met all sorts of very interesting people. And in the course of doing that, we got all these great stories for uh, Webmaster.
0: So there were... You are longer winded than Mark. Um, right. I'm sorry, you <laughs> lost me. You met Mark while you were at CIO Magazine.
3: That's about the. That's a short story. Yeah.
0: Okay, Mick, you're back. Uh, we can see you now. Can you? Can we hear you?
3: I'm, I'm, I'm double. I'm double. I,
2: I got one.
0: Well, you need to turn one of them off because we have the misfortune of hearing your voice twice, and we're barely hearing it at all. So you got to kill one of them. Um, we'll take the uh, we'll take the the uh, audio version of you, if nothing else. But, uh, but it's you're good to see coming your face. through on yes, uh, you're coming through on two channels at once, and it's hard to hear you.
1: This is this is how many nerds does it take to change a light bulb? <laughs>
0: well, this is tough. Now, Mick, let's see if we can. oh, there you go. You're back now. Can we hear you?
1: Um, can you hear or, me? Very We can hear you. Well. We yeah. saw you, and we saw that you're in a nice, warm place, and I'm glad we can't see that right now.
2: But uh, Tim's here for some reason. What reason? Yeah,
1: Mark. so yeah. So Tim. the reason, I mean, first of all, Tim's a really kind, excellent human being.
0: You'd that, have to that, be that, to suffer through this.
1: Well, there's that, and and I do I do believe these times call for kind, decent human beings, and I say that sincerely and truly. <laughs> um, but that aside, I I thought a lot of his uh, experience that, that he kind of alluded to at the early days of the web uh, would be interesting because, you know, we take things for granted, you know, we're, and I'm not panelizing David, but we're recording on a web-based application called Microsoft, Microsoft Teams right now. But, um, you know, Tim was there when it was two cans and a string. And again, I know we're failure of the podcast. So uh, let's start with, uh, you know, kind of early days of the web and, and, and what you saw, and uh, I think you mentioned in the, uh, as we were waiting for the call to come up, you'd met uh, uh, an interesting individual. Uh, that Al Gore? Uh,
0: Did you meet Al Gore? He That's actually met, really...
1: no, not Al Gore, but the guy that Al Gore played um, in, oh. in, 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 a, in a Broadway musical. What was that?
0: What was it? Yeah.
3: Tim Berners-Lee. Tim?
0: Oh, Tim Berners-Lee.
3: Oh. Even better than Al Gore. Yes.
0: Yeah, I think. As if that yeah, were fun. possible. If I'm not mistaken, he is now, he's the internet evangelist at um, Google now, isn't he?
1: No, you're thinking of someone else.
0: Oh, who is Oh, Vince Cerf. Vince Cerf. So what's the relationship between Vince Cerf and Tim Berners-Lee in terms of uh, Cord, cordial. inventing? Oh, cordial, I got that. But in terms of inventing the internet.
3: Surf invented the internet and uh, Berners-Lee invented the web on top of the internet.
0: Oh, so that leads to the natural question that Mick should be asking, what's the difference?
3: So the internet is a connection of uh, wires, basically, around the world. And then the web is an interface on top of that, or a set of tools on top of that, that make all those wires human-friendly. So you can actually find information and talk to people and do what we're doing now. But what the internet it by itself can't, can't do that.
0: Go ahead, Mick. Why didn't they do that the first time? Why <laughs> didn't they well, yeah. friendly.
3: <laughs> they didn't think it was necessary because they had great tools like uh, Fetch and FTP and uh, all these terribly nerd-friendly but human-unfriendly tools that people would use. And they didn't think that people had a need to, to use the, the Internet. Uh,
0: so to, to understand that what you're saying is a little um, – what you're saying is the initial – when you say the wires were invented by – was it I'm sorry, was it uh, Tim or was it Vince? No, Vince, Vince.
1: Vince surfed surf did the plumbing.
0: Okay, so the plumbing was a, a bunch of more than wires and switches that if you had, am I correct, there were packets back then? If you had packets of information that had an address on them, he could his plumbing would get the packet where it needed to go. So that was really good for transferring data for any, any bunch of applications, whether it was mail, which existed back then, FTP, which are file transfers and everything else, but that wasn't useful for anyone other than um, eggheads and universities. Is that generally true?
3: That's generally true. And actually, there was a, I don't know if it's a law, but there was this um, ethic that said that corporations
0: could not use the internet for business other than to transfer files. Because it was done by DARPA, that is, it because it was government funded?
3: It was a government-funded thing, and it was used by universities and defense. And, uh, you know, a lot of us stuck on there and did transfer files be- between companies, but you did that on the side, and you were public about it. But, um yeah, it was it was not for, for business use.
0: So that was in 80, 80 through 83, 84, 85? Uh, late 80s. Well, I was using – we are, the, the Internet must have existed in – when I was in law school, so in 83, I recall, we would send stuff around. It was primitive, but you could get stuff remotely. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's the late, that's the through the 80s or through the early, mid-80s. So when does Tim Berners-Lee realize that you could use this same plumbing to send around what are effectively graphical images of pages with text on them, which we now know as web pages?
3: Well, I'll back up just a little bit. Um. I was involved with a couple of the automotive companies and, and actually with digital who were trying to figure out how they could integrate their businesses better. And they were, they were basically back then, if you wanted to transfer data, you could use, you know, those, those primitive web tools, um, or you could take a disc and you could take the floppy disc and give it to your buddy who put it in their computer.
0: Sneaker Sneakernet, sneaker, sneaker net.
3: Exactly. And, and, it didn't work, and there were different computing systems and different networks, and every company wrestled with in the late 80s, how do you connect all these things together? So I, we, we worked at, at uh, GM, which had this 400-person project to try to integrate their engineering, manufacturing, logistics. And then Ford was doing the same thing. Um, and eventually I got involved with digital trying to do the same thing. So we're all trying to solve this problem, and we're all doing it in a very proprietary way. You know, we had all these elaborate messages and all these elaborate schemes. And Berners-Lee was over at CERN in, in Switzerland. And he simply wanted to pass the, the, the academic papers that they were doing to his, to his colleagues. So he invented HTTP, this very simple protocol that said, push this out and send it over there on top of, on top of the Internet. And then he invented a browser that said, OK, when that comes, I want to see it. And he, he put these things together very primitively. But then realized the power of it, that through this very simple set of messages, you could really share a lot of information. Um, so we were busy. I had a 50-person team at Digital. We were busy developing this information utility. And, and some of the buddies, some of the guys working for me came in and said, you got to see this thing. And they showed me, a, a, I think it was an art museum in Paris that somebody had built on top of what Berners-Lee was doing. And And I was devastated. It's like, damn, they solved the problem. We're done. We can go home. And then I realized, no, they didn't have security, and they didn't have a repository for where things were, and you couldn't really tell what was out there. So there's lots of work to do. Um, we called up Berners-Lee, and, and as a courtesy said, would you mind if we used it because we were a corporation? And the ethic was companies couldn't use the web.
0: What the year web. was this, roughly?
3: 92. 92. Okay.
0: So, where there there must have been those things called URLs, which are um, numeric designations of addresses. But were there domain names back then?
3: There were, but you know, there were very very few websites to the point where we would sit in our offices and some com- we Digital had one of the first uh, public websites, Tech.com, and uh, we would see a new site come up and everybody get excited and go look at it and figure out how they what, what they did that was interesting and new. And there were just a handful and eventually it's just started, you know, multiplying to the point where all of a sudden we realized, well, there are now so many we're getting inundated and we can't make sense of it.
0: Um, so Mick was Mick who now looks like um, the original coronavirus bat because his images um, shows him hanging upside down from the ceiling. Um, Mick, you were doing our uh, real estate back then, were you not?
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, the, you know, I, I don't remember the specific dates when things happened, but, you know, computers on your desk, you know, I started in 75, you know, and then we started doing things with, uh, uh, with you know, programs and stuff in the real estate business um, in the in the 70s where we would do analysis. We'd do uh, internal rates of return, which are a little bit, a little, they're hard to calculate. So anyway... Yeah, but uh, the uh, you know it moved very quickly after that into all kinds of different things. Um, but uh, you know, real estate was probably a not an early adopter, you know, where like academics were. But uh, I read the birth of a of a new machine, wasn't that what it was called? The book,
0: Soul that's of about, a New Machine. Soul, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's yeah. about Data General.
2: Yeah, and you know that was very interesting about how what Tim was uh, was talking about. This is all like very exciting stuff that was happening. Hmm. So anyway, uh, so I'm very fascinated.
3: But, but the interesting thing was, it wasn't interesting to everybody. It wasn't interesting to my boss, which which I found really curious. So
0: This was a GM? Your boss at GM?
3: No, no. Exactly. no GM, it's a whole other story about how we got disconnected from GM because of digital politics. Oh, you were digital at this point. I was at yeah. digital consulting okay. there. But we had this team where we were building the utility, right? And the web came along. Berners-Lee said, go ahead and use it. So I immediately we started doing that. We had a model for how, how we wanted things to work. And we built a uh, Yahoo-like tool before Yahoo existed. We weren't smart enough to say, hey, let's take this public. You know, we just used
0: it. Wasn't digital responsible for, uh, was it Alta Vista or one of the search engines?
3: Yep, yep. Another group yep. built Alta Vista. We used that. Um, yeah, it was. So, but but um, I used to hold this seminar every week uh, at one of the bigger buildings there. And it'd be packed with all these mucky mucks or execs from different divisions. And they'd line up afterwards and say, hey, could you guys build me a website you know, for the storage division, the PC division? And they were just really excited. And we were excited. We were doing a lot of building of sites and consulting to different groups. But um, my my boss said, hey, you know, we we hired you to build a information utility. And you're just going to use this public domain stuff. That's not what we want you to do.
0: What people now call an intranet—that's what you were hired to do.
3: Well, it was a—it was an information utility. So it what's was, that? Um, well, it was a proprietary solution. And uh,
0: oh, DEC was famous for that.
3: Yeah. So the guys that you know that I worked for said, "No, no, no. You have to build a proprietary solution." And I said, "Well, we have a solution, and we can build on it and do much better things." And all these people are building all these very cool things, and all these people want us to uh, develop solutions. And they eventually had to take half the staff and keep building the foolish thing, the thing we were hired to do. And the rest of the guys went off and did the web-based stuff. Um, but it but it amazed me. And eventually got to the point where we got moved to a different division. The guy that took it over said, "Um, I want these guys to become payroll programmers. We don't need you. We have Lotus Notes. Um, you're free to do R&D if you want. And, you know, Webmaster Magazine called up and said, hey, do you want to be our webmaster? I said, I'm gone, I'm there. But, uh, yeah, digital back then wasn't, uh, I want to talk about failures, didn't see the light um, uh, throughout the company. Some parts of it did, but some parts were just really stuck. Back.
0: Did you get it? Go ahead, Mark.
1: Uh, I'm just going to say, I mean, there's a phenomena for those of us who have been around the Boston area for a long time, that these main all
0: of us all of yeah us actually
1: well uh, that that these mainstream companies in their I don't want to say in their prime because that that also <laughs> is the name <laughs> of a <laughs> company that existed but all of these companies you know sort of kind of went through this phase deck, went through this phase prime Wang Data General uh, Polaroid where I where I logged a few hours as well um, and then they all sort of went away because they didn't like listen to people like Tim I think they just you know, DEC they didn't didn't understand that the PC was going to really destroy their their mini computer business. They didn't listen, and w- when they finally did a PC, it was basically a terminal, a VT100 terminal with with a, a floppy disk drive in it, um, and it was somewhat proprietary as well. They were sort of bu- uh, two years behind what everyone else was doing at the time because I was in the PC business at that point. So I I, I guess my question or my my thinking is, what happens to these companies? And maybe it's a New England thing, where they just sort of lose their way, where they just you know they're not listening to the folks internally. And why why don't well, they it's listen? It's not
0: really New England. I'm sure that was true uh, worldwide. This was a this was quite a thing that that uh, overcame the uh, uh, the planet in uh, not like coronavirus, but in uh, the 80s. So people didn't know what to do. What yeah, what but, were they? Yeah, but there's to a
1: cluster do? of those companies that were oh, in there's New England.
0: Clusters everywhere.
1: Data, you think, but Deck Prime, Data General. I know, Wang. but
0: that. But you could go into any city, and you could have named, a, had come up with an equally large list. Um, I guess the the question I would ask related to that is, when did be, be begin? People begin to see the light, and when was their mass adapt ad, adoption of that? And when I say see the light, I would say selling on the web, um, using the web for customer service, and all that.
1: I think it was, it, it was like eBay, and those companies started to emerge. Very,
3: very quickly after it started back at probably 95, 96, you really saw a big growth. But I, th- I think the issue with digital and other companies, they got so big that they would look at, you know, the revenue streams and you'd come in with this web-based solution. They'd say, well, anybody can build upon that. And can you generate hundreds of millions of millions of dollars in revenue from what you're doing? And the answer was no, not, not to start. I don't know if we ever could. So they weren't interested because they had the belief that what they were doing with their proprietary systems and their hardware and their their software solutions had to be the way because that generated hundreds of millions of dollars without realizing that base was all going to move online and they weren't going to be there with it. So it's it's sort of, they got too big to move.
0: Can we be critical about that? Let's, let's poke at that for a second. So what are you penalizing, David? No, no, I'm not penalizing who's going to ask. Um, I guess the question is: Has the internet for any company of that type? Internet, obviously, web sales is good for uh, Amazon, um, and uh, a small number of other companies. But in digital, isn't still around? I think they're now HP. Uh, yeah, they're HP, aren't they?
1: I think they they, they went through a few you know iterations. Compaq was in there.
0: Yeah. Okay, so let's say they're HP. Does how much of the, the web represents? sales say uh, for hp even the old you know the, the dex successor i probably. follow me yeah
3: There's... like probably quite a bit and you know interesting you mentioned amazon um, amazon deliberately lost a lot of money i don't know if people remember this amazon deliberately lost a lot of money when they started they lost millions and millions of dollars
0: yeah yeah, because, yeah.
3: deliberately because they wanted market share right so you don't go into a company like digital and say, hey, if we lose millions of dollars for the next five years, we are gonna own this part of the market and then we're gonna be unstoppable. That that is that is just not in their mindset. You know, that that is a business model that that you really have to be creative like Bezos is to, to understand and to actually go in and do. So established businesses didn't see the place where they could go in and compete against Amazon, except you know, directly one-to-one but eventually Amazon's gonna own more and more of the customers
0: so when you left was
3: he was he the only person who figured that out do you think I mean no I think I, a number I, of people and I can't
2: lost, think. lost leaders have been around for a long time to draw people in you sell things at less than cost and you get lots of customers
3: yeah but you know those of us who are watching the web there are so many companies that were "Quote successful and were making money. They probably don't exist today. That when when we looked at Amazon and looked at how much they were losing, it it to us it, it didn't make sense. It's like how can they possibly succeed? How can they possibly last because they're losing so much? And he had a five-year view, and everybody else had a five-day or five, you know five-week view,
1: five-minute,
3: five-minute view. Because you can make money, you know, in." I don't know if there's any other example. There probably is. I can't think of one that that was okay being a lost leader. Um,
1: probably. Uber. Well, well, yeah, Uber is a great example. I don't know if they've made money yet. WeWork is another one, you know, more a little yeah. bit more current.
3: Well, now they're following Amazon's example, right? They said, well, it once worked, so maybe it could work again. So Mark, back in 92, 93, 94, you know.
0: Mark, can I ask the question that you always ask? you your run up to it as well as you know this podcast is called failure the podcast. well he already he already he already
1: took that line for me he know he noted that deck had a first failure so that oh. obviated my need to pontificate with a question uh well, with that lead-in
0: well i guess the question is my, when you look my, my, at, much
1: to the chagrin of our our two listeners
0: yeah <laughs> um when you look back uh tim what has been the big failure, not of DEC, but of the web, the internet and or web in general? If any.
3: Well, I think I would look at the failure as being those business businesses and business models that existed prior to the web, where they didn't adapt quickly enough. So I went to CIO, and the first thing the editor-in-chief said to me was, you can do whatever you want, but don't screw up our print sales. Because that's where we make all our money. Now, mm. today we know that it's the exact opposite. But at the time, that made a lot of sense. You know, our job was not to in any way affect
1: the print business. Because that was that was the important thing. In other words, don't be successful.
3: Well, success wasn't... The web was a toy to a lot of people. Or it's just another communications vehicle. But it certainly wasn't a way to to run your business as it has become. So...
0: Well, so wait a minute. So, okay, that's that's a straightforward view, I guess. Which is, if you didn't, ad- if you didn't adopt at all, you were destined for failure. Um, but how about when you look within the realm of those who did adopt? Were there were there directions that you saw groups of companies or individuals take um, that were clearly mistaken?
3: Well, I think. There no doubt were. The difference would be that those businesses usually were quick to adapt. So, for example, when I worked at uh, Patients Like Me, which a small startup by a bunch of MIT guys, they were constantly looking at what do we need to do differently? What do we need to do to adapt our model to make it successful? And they were okay doing that. It wasn't as if they had a successful business that they needed to continue to keep the revenue stream going they were perfectly fine, they perfectly understood, you gotta keep tweaking the model and you gotta find out where the opportunities are. So I think the ones that are successful, the ones that just kept thinking, what do we need to do differently or better? And what do we need to get rid of that so that we can focus on the things that work? So it was, it was a more sad. adaptable mindset because the tools were easily changed and easily created as compared to mainframes and large computing systems.
1: And that was the failure at the at the and I would I would assert at the decks and the wangs of the world is that they weren't looking to, you know, uh, uh adapt and work on standard tools. They weren't listening. They were just, you know, Tim, to your point, just looking at, you know, the quarterly uh results and the impact that that this new brave new world would have on on their quarterlies.
3: The stock market would have killed them if they That's had said, right. Hey, we're gonna lose money for the next two years. They would have run the board of directors out, and they would have bought in a new group because the stock market, market wanted results.
2: Let's let's, let's let's digress for a minute, or not digress, but progress, and think in terms of look at a company like Zoom. What happened to it as a result of this? Uh, I'm not sure what their revenue model is. You know, there's so many people using it for free. Yeah, freemium. They can't be uh, can't be making any money. But they're certainly getting a saturation that's unbelievable. Um, And what other opportunities are going to exist? Because we're looking at the web more and more every day now that we're all living in our little homes. And so what opportunities are there that would be dramatic? And that's I'm asking
3: all of you because Tim's our expert. But (laughs) I don't know if anybody's an expert at that. Yeah, what's your thoughts, Tim? That's funny though the thing that I think about is if the easier you make the web to work for regular folks um, the better it is but then I flash back to AOL you know AOL was supposed to be super an easy, easy. Way for my mother to use the web and, and it was I mean you know she, she did use it but um, it failed right it, it fell apart and um, I don't know why they weren't adapted I, I think they competed with the web rather than. Leverage the web, but it does seem like right. there is an untapped market out there for people who would like to use it but can't because it's uh, on a computer and it's intimidating. So, the more simple we can make it and the more focused we can make it so they get to the things that are would be of interest to them, um, the better. I still think there's a big market out there for that.
0: Well, so let me. Uh, this I, is an I'd get easy picture, and
3: you know, I'd be
0: happy. What, what was I, that?
2: Sideways. If I get my picture squared away, I'd be happy. Oh. No, no, I'm serious. Yeah.
1: oh I, just, uh, I just figured you were working on your abs and you were doing sit ups, uh, inverted sit ups right now.
2: Okay, Mark, oh. you yes, tell me the truth. Is that a, 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 a your, behind you is too perfect? That's not your, really your office.
1: Mine or David's? Mark. Yeah,
2: David's David is uh, sparse, yours is uh, cluttered.
1: It's my, I, uh,
2: like, I wor- virtual, it's like if I was going to have a virtual scene behind me, I'd use that.
1: <laughs> you know, <laughs> interestingly, so I do these conferences, uh, at MIT, which I, I like to torture David with. And I've been asked to do, uh, you know, I hate the term virtual conference, but we're preparing a, another virtual conference slash webinar. And, uh, our sponsor, i had noted the uh, absolute mess behind me and it's really you know it's it, uh, what's behind your uh, you know handful of uh, guitars and basses and a banjo and a turkish oud um and then a shelf that's filled with all of my uh, records from the uh, you know my lp records from uh you know the 70s and and, and 80s which I can't throw out because they're records and their music and um Uh, And a few other things. So they actually sent me a professional photography thing.
2: I don't don't see a spot for your 8-track, so.
1: Uh, uh, It's below the camera. (laughs) (laughs) It's with my Betamaxes.
0: So, Mick, I think getting back to your question, um, and this is an easy answer, I'm wondering whether the adoption that we maybe should have seen to date is going to be forced especially if coronavirus and the lockdown continues um, over the next three years on and off, we may see the adoption into, for example, the obvious one is telemedicine. It's been around in theory since the early 2000s, if not before. But I finally did my first telemedicine visit um, this past week because the Partners Healthcare System, which is uh, for the one, two listeners we have, part of MGH and therefore potentially a very big... The it's, health it's, system. it's the
1: Harvard Medical School Mafia.
0: Right, but they finally uh, forced me to do telemedicine um, this week now, 20 years later. So that's one example. We're doing a lot of meetings online um, and maybe travel will not, travel certainly won't disappear, but perhaps if this continues for three years, your question will be answered, which is we're forced to actually adopt the damn thing, so we'll do it. Yeah, I think people
3: go well, back
1: I to their their, their their old habits I, in 92, 93, 94, in that time frame, I worked for a company called PictureTel, which was one of the earliest desktop video. And, and they were, actually had a lot of digital equipment execs that came over because it looked a lot like deck just with cameras and TVs. But um, the same time was, the I think, the first Iran-Iraq war or one of the first Middle East wars that had an impact on travel. And I know PictureTel had a spike in uh, usage and a spike in you know, uh, customers buying equipment and then the wars ended or they got used to them. And then all of a sudden people start traveling again. So I think people fall back to their, their old familiar habits. If they, if they're able to get on a plane and meet someone face to face, I think they ultimately will. But, um, you know, but you never know. I mean, this is a pretty profoundly strange, big pandemic that's impacted more and more people, uh, in more and more places at the same time. So who knows?
0: Mick, where do you see, um, on the reels from the, yeah, Cool. And tele- telemarketing, uh,
2: we've been doing colonoscopies for a long time, and so that's pretty simple.
0: <laughs> Very <In> fact, subtle. <laughs>
2: we've got one here now. <laughs> do you Where think that's
1: it? a that's a Zoom opportunity? We're going to do a Zoom colonoscopy. Share <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure, friends and family. Exactly. Now hold your breath. It's only take a minute. <laughs>
2: Oh, okay. not what was your what was your uh, your obviously intelligent question that you were going to ask me?
0: I don't know. If it was intelligent. Um, it was a. It was. Um, I'm just. All I'm doing is I'm. As Mark would say, what is it? Keep your eyes straight ahead. Don't look away from the light or whatever. I've got my eyes focused on whether when we're going to get to an hour. So I'm filling time. <laughs> I'm
2: going to oh. do the time and the temperature pretty soon. <laughs>
0: now, so what is the temperature in Arizona? Yeah. What is it?
2: Eighties. Uh, it's a little cold today. It's probably 72 right now. Oh.
0: So, Mick, my question it. was the real estate side. Um, you know, we've seen a few companies present at Boston Harbor Angels on virtual tours of houses. And certainly there's real estate on the web through, what is it, Zillow? I don't really know the full panoply. But do you think the there's more and more room for real estate sales, leasing, and all that on the web, or do you have to be there? And so, it's simply never going to happen.
2: I I think that you know that it's pretty hard to find a listing now that doesn't have some kind of either forty or sixty pictures, if not a virtual tour. I think that's uh, it, you know anybody can do them uh, with a you know a Apple or with an Android phone. So those are very prevalent now. I think that if you're you know you used to go out with a broker and you look at you know 30 houses or something like that you know that's stupid you know you narrow it down to two or three but then you still got to go physically at some point and see the house you're going to buy
0: Can you uh, narrow it down on the web do you think you can get enough of a, a flavor of it
2: I think I think depending on who did the video videography or the oh. photos you can get a pretty good idea But right. I think <laughs> that that's a pretty simple way of the future because, uh, again, it, it's very painful for both the brokers and for the, the victims to go look at a bunch of houses that are never going to buy.
0: Have so, you actually participated in any of that, though, or are you just conjecturing?
2: Uh, well, I, mean, I have friends who are real estate brokers who send me videos of different homes. And, yeah, they're, they're fun. They're uh, interesting and quick. And you get a feel for the place.
0: Into the yeah. brokers that when you talk to the brokers, are they happy about all this? Do they say it actually helps, or do they? Is it uh, BS?
2: Well, the, I don't have any any sampling size that would make any difference, but I think that uh, the, this coronavirus has caused uh, a lot more showing of homes. I don't want somebody in my home that I don't know where they've been, and also from the standpoint That's of the if you're if you're a, a consumer or buying a home. You don't want to go in somebody's house you don't know that's been contaminated or whatever. And we, well, you know we, we're such at early stages of what what is contamination? Does it last for thirty minutes or three or thirty days? and they still everybody's still trying to figure that out.
1: Uh, you know you know what they're by the way, they're doing something very similar. I, m- one of my kids is a high school senior. they're because you can't make a final decision on a college unless you've been there, they're doing these virtual, college tours, campus tours, buildings. So they're digitizing all the all the buildings. Someone's walking around and doing the 360-degree turnaround. Here's what the dorm looks like. Here's a typical room. And, you know, you can piece together a walking tour with some of the universities that, uh, again, you know, in, the, in this time of uh, coronavirus, um, you know, like we're being asked to make a decision on at least one college that we've never been to. So and it's a craft that shoot. would be
0: that would be University of uh, and that'd be Michigan State University, right? No, we've been there actually. We like that. Oh, really? I thought I thought you never went there.
2: No, I I I went there.
0: You actually started there. there. <laughs> okay. I so Tim, there. going back, Tim,
2: would you actually enroll in a college that you or a university you've never been to? I mean, is that, is that the thought? Or just I can get rid of this one because I saw it on video. Wasn't it?
1: A little of both. But, but you know, May 1st, so this is April 15th, May 1st is the deadline for many colleges. So, you know, my kid, uh, you know, applied to a bunch, uh, got accepted in, in uh, you know, a slightly smaller number, uh, you know, of that bunch, and now is narrowing it down to his top five. And at least one or two of them he's never seen. Um, so, you know, what the hell do you do, you know?
0: Will they count it, Mark, as seen if you at least do the virtual tour or in the end, do they say, look, we know you've done virtual tours of your final two choices. You have to visit us before you accept or are they willing to use the virtual tour as good enough?
1: The the tour is for parents and kids. It's not there's not a a requirement to visit you. I'm sure there are many, for example, foreign students that have never visited the campus that they end up going to. Okay. So they just kind of show up like, oh, so this is what MIT looks like. Nice place.
0: So, Tim, going back to that question, when you were hired by Inc. Magazine to or when you were given the directive, don't hurt the print sales. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What did that end? Up, how did that end up playing out? Because in the end, of course, the Web has killed a lot of print sales.
1: Are you by uh, by inferencing that Tim killed ad sales?
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to understand that. Well, was how did that work out? That seems crazy. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to follow the
1: logic. Tim was the first guy at CIO. Tim was <laughs> told not to kill web sales. No web sales, sales, sales. Print sales. Print sales. Print, uh, print sales. sales. Uh, the web killed print sales. Therefore, Tim killed hmm. ad sales. Yeah, well, yeah. So, you know, there was a
3: similar dynamic at CIO as there was at Digital, where they made a ton of money. Um, not telling me. I mean, everybody knows this industry from print sales because they could charge big bucks and and the the president rightly said you're never going to be able to charge that money on the web but we eventually did start to you know sell sponsorships and the usual banner ads and all that stuff and and sold uh, content and things like that and we were pushed hard to come up with creative ways eventually to to ramp up our our income online because they saw the online sales going uh, the Print sales going down, so all of a sudden, those of us were told to be, you know, just don't make money, but but make something interesting. Now is make money, and you know, screw, screw what you have to do to, to, to the print to make it
0: happen. But as a practical matter, what did you do your first day when you were given that directive? What did you decide? What direction did you conclude the web had to take in order to not eat into the print sales? I'm trying to get that because it's the natural. It's sort of like. Um, you have dinner coming up in 10 this is a weird analogy. In five minutes, we're going to serve you dinner, um, but here's a, a piece of lobster and some caviar and some other stuff. Uh, don't let it affect your appetite.
3: Well, we figured the web could be a nice complement or supplement to what was going on in the print magazine. So, for example, if you printed articles about knowledge management, we began to create this taxonomy of interesting subjects for CIOs, and we'd have this repository of all the articles we ever did on knowledge management. So in the print magazine, you want to hear more about the subject, go to the web and you'll find this whole section of it on that topic. So we became, uh, it made it more of a resource, more of a library than the thing you got in the mail that day. So we began to really play up each other. So we'd say, in the print magazine, go to the website to talk to the author next Tuesday afternoon and ask them questions about, you know, things that aren't in the story. And uh, so we found ways to complement what was going on in print. So you weren't competing. But, but I mean, the whole magazine was actually online. But we found that people, people at a certain age didn't want to read it online. They wanted something they could put on their coffee table or put take on the train home. Um, but when they really wanted to dig into something, they were fine going on the web to to learn more about it.
2: Tim, I want to ask you though a little extenuation of my earlier question. Is uh, you're the new head of uh, new products for uh, Amazon, Salesforce, uh, somebody? What what do you think would be the knock 'em dead uh, app or tool or whatever that you could sell, provided the information that this virus, this coronavirus thing, which may continue for a long time, as far as the way we do business. Which will do more and more like this, I'm I'm thinking.
3: You know, what uh, what occurred to me after after my first bad answer was if if you look at what kids are doing today and if you figure out how they're using the web, I think that's where you're gonna find the business opportunities because my four year old granddaughter has a, an iPad and she uses it to call me up. And she'll walk around the house and, and we'll talk to each other. And for her it's second nature. It's just like that's part of her life. Is this, and all the kids of that age and up until 20s are using this tool as just a part of how they live. And we don't really understand enough about how they're using it and how we can make it better, more interesting and, and profitable. And I think that's where I don't have an answer, but I would do research in how are kids using the web? Because they're going to be the marketplace of the future. And they're so smart about this stuff. And, they, and they, you know, they're going to run out of games to play. They're going to run out of sites to go to. They want something new. And I think there's lots of opportunity to create something new. I know that, for example, we have um, a couple of times a week, we have um, parties, house parties with different people around the world that we know. And we all get together at the same time. We play a couple of games and we, we, we chat and drink wine. Um, that's Quarantinis. <laughs> but, it, but it's like we're now adapting this tool to support our lifestyle. And in the process, we're finding these new opportunities. These people in England, Ireland, and New Zealand that we know but we never talk to Now we can connect to them. And we keep thinking, well, what else could we do online that we can't do today? I think that's the sweet spot of where we can make this tool um, a better part of business. And I don't have an answer, but I'm going to keep thinking about it because maybe that's the next thing some of us go off and do.
2: Well, my neighbor, I just, he was out walking this morning. We live in the desert. And uh, he was showing, uh, walking with his uh, with uh, FaceTime and was showing the desert to his son who's in Berlin, Berlin quarantined. And so there, you know, it's kind of cold and bleak there and our desert is beautiful. So anyway, it was a pretty well, interesting use of no, an old guy.
1: Yeah. But it's, I, I think, you know, what, what you're both saying is that, you know, people are, uh, it's like social there's like a social aspect to almost all these web things. You know, my, uh, teenagers and, you know, I have two teenagers at home in the and, an 11-year-old, the 11-year-old and the 14-year-old do TikTok videos, which they, you know, uh, it's sort of like you do funny things, stop action, but there's a social aspect. So, you know, the the two little girls are doing dances, but they're showing their, they're dancing with friends, esse- essentially. So they've created this sort of way of socializing while also playing with their tablet or playing with their iPhone. Um, again, it's not something that holds my interest, but I do note that they, you know, to Tim's point, that that's what they're doing and they can do it for endless hours. It's just, it's remarkable.
3: And they don't want you to be a part of it because you're too old for this.
1: I've crossed, I've crossed that, uh, that hurdle. Yes.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's it's weird. If if a 45 year old person does a TikTok, people say, what's an old guy doing on here? It's so, but I think the more we learn about what, what is it that interests them? What is it that's getting them so excited about this? We need to start
1: learning that. Yeah, and Snapchat's the other one. I do Snapchat with a couple of my kids. Yes, it's weird, but, you know, when people see me doing it in random places, it, you know, I need to be aware of it. I like being aware of it. And it's a five or 10 second bit of uh, whimsy that I can use to make a couple of my daughters laugh. So it's, again, it's just it, kind of to mix point. It's, you know, walking through the desert, sharing the desert, and maybe it's just a quick little, you know, a bit. It's a quick little packet of uh, fun just to kind of, you know, socialize.
0: So, Tim, when you, you go, ahead, Mick, were you saying something? Not um, yet, but well
2: will if you want me you
0: to. You will. No. So, Tim, when you were doing your stuff on the <laughs> – no. No, if you want me to, no. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> would the car talk guys do that? Would they do that? <laughs> Ask yourself. Oh, so Tim, when you were doing your stuff, what ver- what browsers were around? What HTML was around? And uh, the bigger question is, what fancy features were around in HTML and/or on browsers that you didn't take advantage of? For example, the marching ants would be. You remember the marching ants in Microsoft Word? which is obviously not a browser and I forget what they were called um, back in the day. There were those not banner ads or some crazy ads that showed up. Did you guys focus solely at all of your companies, whether it was from deck CIO, etc.? HTML,
1: et the podcast or
3: failure the podcast?
0: Well, were, Did you take advantage of all the fun stuff or did you focus? Solely or did you work for content? tech? Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, we're, so, I mean, we did things like uh, videos of talks that, that, you know, and we'd have interviews with different people and uh, we, we try to push the envelope with the technology because it made our our jobs more interesting. But it made the, the site more interesting to have, in addition to all these articles, here's an interview with somebody that's famous in this field. you know. And actually they were too long, they weren't correctly edited. We could have done a better job with the tools we have today. Today it looks much more professional, but at least we knew that there was a need to get some sound and motion along with these printed words. And, uh, you know, we, we could have done a lot more than that. I think people are doing a lot better with that today. Um, but that's probably the biggest failure we had is we didn't push that part of the uh, technology because we couldn't figure out how to make money on it because, you know, once it... also, the other reality was the bandwidth was limited for most people. So if you're going to show them a, a video of somebody giving a talk, um, you know, that was going to take up most of their bandwidth. Today, that's not, a, not as much of an issue. It is for some people, but not for many. Uh, but we had a – that's be a very
0: worried. good point. Did you get, I'm sorry, maybe I asked this. Did you get a uh, deck online in terms of, did you, sorry, was there a, a web store for deck that you helped put up or was that, um or for CIO or did that happen <laughs> To buy the 11780s online? <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. I'm no, not for critical.
3: For CIO we did. For CIO we had, um, and it was an absolute disaster. It was an oh, absolute unmitigated disaster. We wow. took content that were basically giving away for free, on the print publication. If you were a CIO, we would send you, we wanted you to get the, the publication because then we could charge the advertisers more money because we had the CIOs as an audience and they're, they're decision makers about buying. So they, we had this thought of, well, let's take all the all the printed articles about a topic and put them in a book or you know a printed publication and sell it. And because these guys wanted something on a plane, back then you couldn't get internet on a plane. Um, and we said, okay, well, let's charge him now. This is tails out of school, let's charge him forty bucks. And uh, the treasurer of the company heard about this and the CFO said, No, I think eight hundred bucks would be more like it.
0: <laughs> right? So, so,
3: so 8, this is the this is the point at which I should have left. Um, but we made one sale and we, we built a store. We built all this content.
0: Is that we you ready- met Mark? By the way, that one sale—that was Mark.
3: <laughs> yeah. No, because the guy that we sold it to was furious. When he got this, he said, "All this stuff, for the most part, is already in the web for free. What the hell are you guys doing?"
1: <laughs> but, <laughs> it, but it came. But it came in a nice, nicely bound edition.
3: But that would have been the forty bucks, right? For us, it was like, okay, you can charge forty bucks for binding. But but you can't charge eight hundred. And uh, the, yeah. That and, and the XNet thing. XNet was this wonderful community of people from all the major corporations we get well and all these startups. And we had a great time learning from each other. And we charged them 200 bucks, enough to cover our costs because they were going to teach us and we're going to use all the content. Um, my boss, after a while, said, you know, I don't think that's enough money. I think we need to charge them 17500 a year. And now here's this group of people who were... Used to talking to each other for two or three years, and all of a sudden the big bad company comes in and says, Oh, it's going to go from 600 a year to 17,000. And as one, they get up and walked away. Uh, and and I should have got up and walked away. You know, when, when do you know that what you're working for is not going to succeed? It was right about that point I should have figured that out.
0: Mick, is real estate ever overpriced? And do people ever walk out of real estate deals? Never.
3: Never ever. <laughs> Never. Overpriced by a factor of 20?
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it's going to be interesting. You see, so far, in, on housing prices have not dropped uh, as a result of this.
0: Is that, because, is that, though, because the mortgage rates are so incredibly low? Because we're all stuck in them.
2: I think that has a lot to do with it, sure. <laughs> Mortgage rates have a whole lot of influence on when you buy a house. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, again, I think that you, you you look at what technologically can happen in real estate, uh, I don't know. There's nothing like uh, visiting, you know, kicking the dirt, seeing it. So there's only so much you can do. If you're buying speculative land somewhere, in, you know, in China, uh, you could probably do it on the video, but you see comparable sales and but you're not going to be making paying big bud dollars for something.
3: You're going to have to see it, walk on it. So
1: I don't think that's. Yeah.
3: To some, um, funny, we had a, sorry, we we had a, I mentioned the videos we do with our friends, and one of them had just moved to New Zealand. So I got on Google Earth while we were talking to her and got the address of where she was, and we zoomed into there. And zoomed into her street, and zoomed into her town, and about eight of us were going through the town, going to different places. It gave us a really good sense of where she moved, and we thought to ourselves, she's never going to last because this is a small little town in the middle of freaking nowhere. You could zoom up and realize there's nothing around for miles, and down to their house, you'd realize, man, there's just not a lot happening. So sometimes it's helpful just as a way to uh, rule things out.
2: That Uh, Google Earth is Google Earth is truly amazing.
3: Uh, what you can go and what you can see. So. Yeah, we looked at their car in New Zealand as we're sitting there. It's like, this is
0: weird. How did she ultimately end up doing? Did she move and did she come back?
3: She moved there. She moved there for a guy. Um,
0: and then what happened?
3: Uh, she's still there. Oh, really? Uh, they're going to get married next year. We're all sort of, we're going to go there. The wedding
0: oh, Okay. <clears throat> Well, there's the big failure on the um, the failure the failure of Google Maps to help you with your prediction to,
1: to prevent another marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I, Tim, really appreciate your your willingness to do this and Thanks withstand the scrutiny of of uh, all of these uh, lawyerly questions from our one
3: lawyer. And I wish uh, I had better answers, but what's the next big thing? But,
0: thank you very much, Tim. We, we it was great.
3: My pleasure. Okay, terrific. Thanks, Tim. Mick. Bye. hey you made
0: it <laughs> see you mark welcome Thank you. bye thanks bye-bye